welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, is back and he's continuing in our series on Galatians. If you want to watch the video of this message or listen to this week's worship, you can do that on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or you can do that on our Brookwood Church app. We pray that this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. understand what that means, to live in Christ. Y'all clapping for me? I want you to to think about this. They did a beautiful job for sure. But do you know what it was? Do you remember when you were dead? And do you remember when you were raised? And today you live in Christ. Does that have significance for you? Today we continue our survey of Galatians. We're almost through, but all of you now have mastered Galatians, right? You know it all, backwards and forwards. Is that right, Larry? <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, oh. <laughs> and I called it living free because Galatians really lays out for us our understanding of what it is to be born again. I mean, the theme of it is justification by faith. I told you that Martin Luther was reading it. It became the cornerstone of the Protestant Reformation. Justification by grace through faith. And so we need to get those things clear in our mind so that we don't get confused, misunderstand, fall into a belief that we're earning our salvation or we have to do something for it, but rather we've received it freely. And because we've received it freely, we can live freely. Today's message is entitled New Life. You take out your program and your outline is on the front two panels. The uh, theme verse I used today is actually, it's written by Paul, but it's actually from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6. And he says, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. Do you remember being dead? And do you remember when you experienced life for the first time, spiritual life, of course, by faith, we're born again. And the word born again uh, in John 3 can be translated born from above, but we're regenerated, actually generated by the Holy Spirit. We were generated physically, we're generated for the first time by the Spirit, and then the Spirit remains within. So this morning we'll consider some qualities of this new life. This is from Galatians chapter 5. Beginning at verse 16, we'll look at 10 verses this morning. And Galatians chapter 5 in the BAB, it is page 941. And the first characteristic or quality is that my new life responds to the Holy Spirit. At verse 16, we begin. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. 
then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, I'm the one that chose the New Living Bible. And most of the time, I really like the translation. But I don't like this translation at all. Sinful nature. I think that's a very poor translation. Literally, does anybody know what the word is literally? Flesh. Flesh. That's a better translation. But, it, but the translator is sort of tipping his theological bias in translating sin nature as opposed to flesh. Because I don't think he accepts some of the qualities or characteristics of flesh that I'm going to break out for you to consider this morning. But literally, it's flesh, and I, I really prefer that translation. The Greek word that's translated here, sinful nature, in other translations, flesh, is sarx. S-A-R-X is the English equivalent, the transliteration. But what it means is the unredeemed, unrenewed part of a person in contrast to the spirit which has been birthed into us by the Holy Spirit when we're born again. So flesh consists of what initially? What'd you say? It does, but not many would jump to that. Most would say flesh consists first of what? The body, the flesh. But it does also include the mind, the memory, our emotions, as well as our human reasoning and our desires, because those things, your memories, as odd as it may sound to you, your memories are all collected in a space in your brain. Do you know that? So someone can take an electrode and touch it and you would immediately remember, but everything that ever happened to you is still held there. Doesn't mean you can remember all of it, or you can retract all of it, but it is all there in those many, many wrinkles. And so our emotions, our mental self, our reasoning are all part of our flesh, even though it, it, we don't think of that as physical, but it does occupy physical space. And our spirit, you see, is that part we weren't born with the Spirit. The Spirit was added when we were generated by the Holy Spirit. And it's the Spirit that animates us spiritually, that enables us to relate to God. That is the part that lives forever. It's the holy part that's put in us. Now, even after we are born again, which means the Spirit is introduced... Our flesh remains susceptible to sin. And so our flesh battles with the Spirit and our Spirit. When it's capitalized, it means the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is attempting to lead our Spirit and our person. 
So, you know, a lot of us have been taught or we understood that we had an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other. And they're both struggling trying to persuade us. Who thinks that's good theology? I heard some grumbling over here, but I didn't hear what they said. I think that was Susan. She didn't want to let herself be seen. That's terrible theology. Now, I totally believe in demons. Totally believe in demons and believe I've seen a few a couple of times. But we tend to say, oh, my problem is the devil. My problem is the demon. My problem is, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, the part that makes us unclean is from where? It's from within. You may be plagued by demonic oppression, and it does happen, but it's not nearly as frequent as people point to. See, that evil part of me, that sinful part of me, isn't coming from the outside. It's coming from within. It's coming from within. So there's no angel on one shoulder, no demon on the other. Verse 17. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And so these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that we are not free to carry out, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. You're not free, but you are able. You're not free, but you are able. We don't have to follow that temptation to disobey, to sin. In other words, we don't have to serve our own desires, the flesh. The flesh, again, is that human earthly part of ourselves. And let me, let me just repeat, it includes the physical body, but also the mind and the emotions. And those aspects of our lives, even after being born again, are never completely conformed to Jesus Christ. Is that fair? They're never completely conformed. They are gradually, we'll say, well, what are you talking about? Is this confusing anybody? It, this is confusing. I mean, this is, this is supernatural thinking. It's theological understanding. And we need to understand this. Otherwise, we end up with an angel and a demon. But here's what it means. Before you were born again, you lived some period of time. How many years did you live before you were born again? 50 years. So we have lives. We have experiences. We develop habits and practices before we've met the Spirit. And those things remain in us. Those things remain in us. 
In particular, I mean those negative memories, those painful experiences, those wounds from the past, those false beliefs that make specific sins so hard to resist. You with me? Something happened to us in our lives and you come to believe something about every experience you ever had. And unfortunately, the more of them that feel like this, I don't matter. God doesn't care. I'm at risk in this world. The more of those things that are deposited in your mind, the more they'll be reflected in your what? What'd you say, Gene? Your behavior. The more they'll be reflected in your behavior. Now, we can learn to compensate for insecurity, for fear, for anger, for apprehension. Anybody have any of these feelings ever? Okay. These things are rolling around. They didn't come by the Spirit. They preceded the Spirit. Y'all tracking with me? They're part of the flesh. And we have these unsettling emotions. Now, we compensate for them with other damaging behaviors, with other sometimes destructive substances. This is where all addictions come from. And I don't mean just substance abuse. I mean alcohol, drugs, pornography, anger, rage. They're all out of wounded, damaged places, and they're all an attempt to make ourselves feel whole. But they're destructive methods. But you can get awful acquainted with destructive methods. Can't you? And here's the thing. We tend to form patterns of response or dependency. Nobody has all the addictions. Nobody has all the responses. You see what I'm saying? For one person, it may be profound depression to respond to these feelings. For another, it may be extreme anger. anger, And you tend to respond in the same pattern. Is that right? Because it's out of your flesh. It's formed into you. Before we were Christians, and really even afterward, we can grow so accustomed to dealing with these drives and desires in harmful and even sinful ways that these habits attach to us. Does this sound strange? Jack, does this sound strange to you? They attach to us. I was at a gym with Brandon Bennett. I showing him how to work out. He aspires to end up looking like me. But he was talking, Brandon, y'all know, a lot of y'all know Brandon. He was an NFL running back and all that, South Carolina hero. And James Trapp was there, so for, theirs, for the others. Uh, so they were talking about this training, but they were talking about muscle memory. 
You heard of muscle memory? You react in the same way. Your body learns to react in the same way. Now, that's something good, but it can be something really bad. You know, you hear this fly off the handle. It's because you're reacting in the same way you've learned to react in that situation. And so these habits etch themselves into us, into our minds, into our emotions, also even into our bodies. Sounds strange, doesn't it? I mean, I'll acknowledge it sounds strange. So that it becomes difficult to rid ourselves of these practices even after we're born again, even after we sincerely want to follow Christ, but it's hard to, to change it. Because you see, these behaviors have become solutions to handle our pain. You see what I'm saying? Now, here's a verse, interesting verse that sort of gives some insight. 1 Corinthians. Run from sexual sin no other sin so clearly affects the what? Isn't that surprising? The physical self, as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against our own body. It makes it more difficult to be led by the Spirit because we're developing damaging behaviors. You see what I'm saying? Now, this doesn't mean that the human body in itself is evil, but it does mean that even after being born again, the body, the flesh, isn't perfectly redeemed, wholly redeemed, right? It is in part, to some degree, when you're first born again, some things change, right? And some things you just never struggled with again, right? But boy, there's a few others that you just can't seem to be making any progress, right? The body, you see, the flesh can't enter heaven until something happens to it. What is it? Come on, y'all, speak theologically. It has to be glorified. It has to be changed so that it can enter heaven. Look at this. We'll continue in this passage. Don't you realize, so he's saying your, your body's not evil in, in and of itself. But your body is actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we have the flesh, the body, the Holy Spirit resides within the body doesn't influence the spirit. The spirit is trying to influence the body. But the spirit's also transforming the body, the flesh over time. So the body is the, t is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. An addition but because you've been given the Spirit, you don't belong to yourself. In fact, because you were created by God, you don't belong to yourself. Now, that's strange in our culture, isn't it? Because people basically say, 
this is my body, I'll do what I want to with it. That's an argument for abortion. It's an argue even, I've heard people use it even for drugs. And, you know, they're going to do what they want to with their body. They just don't understand. They don't own their bodies. God crafted your body, shaped your body. And by God's grace has even given some of us the spirit of God. We don't belong to ourselves. We're just using these bodies for a while. But you don't belong to yourself because God purchased you at a very high price. So you must honor God with your body. The only way to conquer the flesh is to yield to the spirit. And you have to do it constantly, continually, deliberately. Sometimes you just have to slow down. You know, when you're about to fly into that rage, when you're tumbling into that deep funk, stop and ask God's spirit, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? Help me in this instance. And we seek the Spirit's guidance in every situation. Verse 18. When you are directed or led, the Greek word is ago, by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation to the law of Moses. Now, why aren't you obligated to the law of Moses? Say it louder. Yeah, but what's a new covenant? That, that may not mean anything. Because Jesus fulfilled it. You see what I'm saying? The new covenant is the right thing to say, but the actual reason is because all the law has been completely satisfied for you. Not abolished, fulfilled. But also, if we are being led by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, will violate none of God's laws. You see what I'm saying? So we don't live consulting a list of rules or regulations. We don't have to keep practicing certain rituals or obeying commandments. We walk with the Spirit. Now, you have to learn how to sense the Spirit. You say, well, I, I, I can't discern Him that well. Well, then follow the Word. Because the word is always consistent with the spirit. But the spirit leads and directs. But the spirit also empowers us to live according to God's will. Now this Greek verb that, that is translated lead or, or some it's translated walk with the spirit. But it implies an active personal involvement by the Holy Spirit guiding believers. And it's in the present tense for you English teachers, which means it's ongoing activity. You weren't just born again, the Spirit's gone. Some people, sometimes people say, well, I was born again at seven, but there's nothing else that happens in their lives. It makes you say, well, were you? 
Because the Spirit of God enters and starts the relationship that continues and is ongoing. As we experience the Holy Spirit, He transforms us. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody have a real nice friend? Come on. Well, you know, when you're with that person, you get kind of changed, don't you? I'm, we need some confession over here. I need a testimony or something. But um, I married a very sweet woman, and it, it, it has an effect on you, doesn't it? It just sort of changes you, sort of just softens you. But the Spirit of God is in you. And he's changing. He's transforming. You're not the same. And it begins in a process. That's what we call sanctification or transformation. And he's transforming even those parts of our flesh with God's truth. And if we'll take questions to him, he'll answer What do you want me to know about this? But that isn't completed in this life, even so. Now, we can increase the Spirit's influence through time in His presence, listening. I don't hear anything. Well, then you hadn't even started listening yet. Praying, listening, worshiping, fellowship with other believers, You have to spend some time to be changed, to be influenced. You know, this um, next series we'll study in uh, September, Experiencing God, helps us all become more aware of God and his work so we can spot him and join him. And I urge you, I plead with you, take part in this series. Buy a workbook, get in a group. Let's move as a church together and and increase our awareness of the move of God. Can you detect God's spirit within you? Do you discern his leading? Now, this isn't something odd. This is something we ought to be able to do, but there are lots of reasons we don't. Sometimes we screen out Whenever the Spirit tells us something we don't want to hear. Sometimes we just have so much doubt that He will speak. Sometimes we just have so much, spend so much time in condemning ourselves. We can't possibly hear what God would say to us. So you got to start clearing this stuff out. And ask God's Spirit to help you. New life also Refuses sinful desires. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, that's the flesh, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, and lustful pleasures. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrel, and jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, 
dissension there. I'm doubling up on it. Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Now, this list describes the way people function when they're led by their own flesh, not by their spirit. Because when we follow the flesh, all we have is the flesh's urges, appetites, what the flesh wants to do to solve its problems, to heal its pain, to calm its unsettledness. And this list is illustrative. It's not exhaustive. But it begins, you see, with moral sex, immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. And I think it probably begins that way because those physical sins provide the greatest physical pleasure, the, the, probably the strongest distraction from the inner emptiness of, a, of the life of a person who knows not God. Because as I said, if, if you don't know God, you're trying to stick something in that place because you're just empty, you're unsettled. And, and sexuality will distract but the effect of it diminishes because sex in isolation will just diminish in its impact because sex was created to be an expression of intimacy between a man and woman committed to each other for life. And it works well nowhere else. Nowhere else. And that's why, you know, you, there's so much adultery and fornication in our world. And now, I won't even say it because there's probably young people in here, but now the things that are dabbled in and multiple people and all kinds of stuff. So it doesn't satisfy. These sensual sins are practiced without guilt and shame by a lot of people because they have no sense of God. So they have no awareness that they're responsible to God. These are superstitious sins, idolatry and sorcery, because, because humans know God is real. You hear me? You believe everyone, every human knows God is real. Do you believe that? They absolutely do. And if they tell you they don't, they may be lying to you. Well, they certainly are lying to you, but they're probably lying to themselves. Because the most outrageous thing, most rebellious thing you can do is tell God he doesn't exist. Every man and woman has eternity in their hearts. But people don't want to go through Jesus Christ to God because there's some expectations, but they still want to have some connections to be in touch with this spiritual realm. So they use these other human created ways, idolatry and sorcery. But the only true way to reach God is through Christ. All else is false. You know, some of us practice idolatry. Because we're practicing idolatry whenever we put anyone or anything in the place of God. But I want you to think about that for a moment. See, we just slough that off, don't we? Oh, no, I'm, I know the definition. Oh, no, no. But is it, is it the way you're living? 
could be anything. Can be money, can be sports, can be hobbies, can be a person. What's occupying God's place or the place God ought to have in your life right now? Because something is. You're worshiping something. What or who is it? It's idolatry. These are these social sins or hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. All of these are the result from having our love life out of order. And instead of living, loving God and others, who or what do we love? Self. Because see, if I love myself and you don't treat me the way I am supposed to be treated, I'm going to give you one of these. You see? When people reject God, they find no inner peace. So they express their hostile behavior, their contentious relationships with others. I mean, you just have to look. But if you're an angry person and you're always divisive, critical, you have to find out why. You have to find out why. Because there's something missing. Jealousy, envy, and selfish ambition really result from people just not being content with who God made them or what he's given you. Our, our culture is drunk on this idea. God crafted you, and he didn't do it accidentally. Now, you know what? You might not fit the image that they put in people, us, we, you know, all that. But he didn't make a mistake on you. You have the wrong standard of what's acceptable, what's appropriate, what's good. Because God... Hand built you. So how are you going to feel about it? He gave you the gifts, the looks, the intelligence. Everything you've been given was for a purpose, for a plan. But you want to be somebody else. Y'all couldn't stand it if I was better looking than I am. It tickles me. Our culture really tickles me. It's so, it's so intellectually and, more, and emotionally bankrupt. People make their living being influencers. Would, would, would y'all like to give me money and I can tell y'all everything? What deodorant I'm using, what socks I have on, what kind of drawers I'm wearing. Y'all want to... <laughs> because you won't live unless you living like me. Look how foolish that is. But we need to step back and laugh at these things and realize how ridiculous they are, how foolish they are. Don't fall prey to that. God made you. God created you. 
He didn't make any mistakes with you. So why don't you un- discover what he built in so you can work it out. Drunkenness and wild parties. You know, the Bible doesn't forbid all alcohol. But, but if we are constantly trying to escape our lives, you need relief from your life, from your worries, from your loneliness, from your purposefulness, from your drudgery. I can tell you this, there's only one place you'll find any relief from any of those issues. And that's deeper in Jesus Christ. That's walking with the Spirit and finding your purpose in Him. And you know what? You won't care what scent I'm wearing. Verse 21. I'm just getting started. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, does that mean that anybody that committed any of those sins is not going to heaven? Is that what it says? Is that what it says? It is what it says. What kind of Bible? Y'all are getting Bibles on discount or something. I'm t- Anyone. I mean, read it. See, y'all are already trying to beat me to the punch, aren't you? Verse 21. Let me tell you again, as I said before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Y'all are right. It's living that sort of life. It's not anyone that ever commits that sin. The, the, the verb tense is ongoing. It's a present participle. It means to, to perform repeatedly or habitually. But if you see yourself and you, and you can honestly say, that is me habitually, then you need to talk to the Lord about that. Do you make a practice of it? Is it, is it not an act of sin, but a habit of sin? And this outward conduct indicates inward spiritual status. It indicates someone that's not born of God, that lacks the spirit, that's not God's child. Do any of you see these behaviors in your life? Do you practice them? And what does it say about your spiritual condition? And then lastly, my new life reveals Christian character. When we're led by the Holy Spirit, He forms Christ-like character in us. And that's called what? Come on, y'all. Fruit of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. These characteristics are not formed through greater effort. They're produced solely by the work of the Holy Spirit within as he transforms us to look more like Jesus. And he does it by his presence. He does it with his truth. He does it as we walk with him. 
Now, it is possible for the flesh to humanly counterfeit some of those traits, isn't it? Isn't it? You can exercise some, you know, the will and you can, you can make yourself behave in a few of these ways for a while. But you can't produce it as fruit. And so what will happen is you'll get mad, you'll get disappointed, something will happen, and it's gone. But you can muster it for a while. But when the Spirit of God produces fruit, God gets the glory, and you don't even know what's happening. You know what I'm talking about? When somebody said, you are not who you used to be. That's the Spirit of God. That's not just you mustering your will. That's a change from within that shows on the outside. When the flesh is at work, you're trying to behave better, and that's not a bad thing. It's just not a spiritual thing. But that person is always going to be keenly self-aware and inwardly proud and really desirous of other people noticing. You know what I'm talking about? Have you noticed how much I've changed, how much nicer I am? (laughs) Well, give me 15 minutes and then we'll see. But Jesus is the example of all these things and the Holy Spirit is the source. And so I'll just run through these very quickly. Love is the first, but this isn't the love of of emotion or good feelings. This is the love, agape, of self-giving service. Joy is a deep down sense of well-being that is not dependent on positive circumstances. Joy comes when you know God and you can trust him. And even when your world, something bad happens in your world, you don't lose your confidence in your Savior. And you know that God's still in control. Peace, peace is, means whole, it means harmony, it means everything in its place and it refers to stillness or serenity of mind. And again, peace comes when you're living in intimacy with God. And so difficult circumstances can't take you out of that. You trust God, you know Him. Patience refers to tolerating the injuries of others. And it's being long-suffering. It's being willing to accept irritating or painful situations or people. Again, because you've accepted God's plan. See, the core of all of this is trusting God. Can you tell? All of this. And the more you're transformed, the more you trust God, the more you're less doubtful of God, these fruit appear in you. Because you're different, see? Kindness is concern, tender concern, but it's also generosity and it's sympathy for others. Goodness is moral uprightness and spiritual excellence. But goodness is not only uprightness, it's actually an active effort to benefit. Because see, you can be morally upright and not be good. Because you might be moral yourself, but you don't really care much about other people's situation. That's not goodness. Goodness is active at helping others. Faithfulness relates to loyalty and trustworthiness. And it really just means I'm a man or a woman of my word. I do what I say I'm going to do. 
Gentleness is really better translated meekness. And it's just a humble attitude that's submissive and patient, even when offended. And you say, well, I'm, I'm like that, but it never wants revenge. See the difference? See, a gentle person, you might not be a person that's going to inflict revenge, but you love it when it happens. That's not a gentle person. You see what I'm saying? That's not a gentle person. Self-control refers to restraining passions and appetites. And this is, again, see, it's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit that enables you to resist your own flesh. And often it happens by just changing desires. You remember that you had that desire that was pulling you in the wrong place. You know what I'm talking about? And you just prayed and God's Spirit took it. You remember that? Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Our flesh has been crucified. Sin cannot dominate and control unless we allow. We always have a way of escape. And since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. You have the ability to. And then Paul warns about a couple of specific attitudes to avoid. Let us not become conceited because we need to be thinking of others first. Let us not provoke one another because we're not trying to get even. Or be jealous because we only want what God wants for us and not what he wants for someone else. Is the fruit of the Spirit apparent in your life? Take a moment and consider. Counselors will be here. They'd be happy to pray with you, talk with you, anoint you with oil for healing. And again, these Experiencing God workbooks are for sale. I urge you, please participate to gain, to heighten your awareness of God and the way he works. If you want to start a group, training is at 6 p.m. in the chapel, and we invite you to lead a group. And if you want to sign up, you can sign up online or you can turn in that contact card. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to live only for what you want from us and for us. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for coming. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do this is by getting connected here at Brookwood. Feel free to email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326 to get in contact with our Connections team. You can also find our message archives on our website and on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.